Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got Sicky Darcy on the other end. <laughs> For real. Like, it feels like I'm always sick, and I hate it. I don't know what's going on. So if she sounds a little congested, that's why. She's a little under the weather. Yeah. But it really, I think it's just like a, that smoky lounge singer vibe. I wish. Yeah, but, yeah, but like, it'd be one thing if it just sounded like that, and I didn't feel like death warmed over, but... I don't feel great either. That's the thing. So excuse my partner. Um, <laughs> let's jump into the Lori Vallow updates. Oof. We did an episode on Lori Vallow or Vallow, however you want to say it, or Lori Daybell, as she also refers to herself. We did the episode on her a few months back, and there have been some recent updates. So this last week, a grand jury in Idaho con- uh, indicted Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow on murder charges in connection with the two children's deaths, Tylee and JJ. We knew it was coming, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. It was only a matter of time. Yeah. I think that the authorities were just basically gathering the evidence and the information to make it pretty much solid. Daybell is also charged with the murder in the case of his ex-wife, Tammy, who died in her sleep a few weeks before Daybell got remarried. Yeah. So... And they said they're going to... They're, re- they're looking at the case of her brother, right? They're looking at everyone involved in this case now, it appears. But very, very interesting um, that these additional things are now being looked at. Um, I I thought that Tammy and Chad were still married, but from looking at this, they had been divorced. Or excuse me, no, Tammy and Chad. Tammy is the the first wife of Chad. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But it says ex-wife in this article. I thought they were still married when she died, but... um, so both of them are charged in the death of the children and then conspiracy to commit first degree murder against three victims. According to the court documents, they're already facing charges related to the destruction or hiding of evidence related to the disappearance of the children. Arrest warrants were issued Tuesday for them to be held without bond. I thought they were already in authority already in jail um, waiting on the other charges. So it shouldn't be that surprising for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, But they do not provide details as to how they think Tammy Daybell, Tylee, or JJ were killed. Um, The indictments cite the couple's religious beliefs as a factor in the murders. And they spoke in text messages, which are part of the evidence, um, that Tammy Vallow was being possessed by a spirit. And Chad Daybell changed the life insurance coverage on Tammy Daybell just a month before she died, increasing the death benefit to the maximum allowed. I don't think they were divorced. I thought that they were married at the time or maybe separated. It says ex-wife, though, in this CNN article. Hmm. So, um, in any case, Lori is also charged with grand theft for allegedly continuing to withdraw Social Security benefits for her children after their deaths. Mm-hmm. So that's insurance fraud. Yep. Grand theft for that. Um, Daybell and Vala were first charged in connection with the disappearance of the children in June 2020. The prosecutors say the murder charges would have been presented to the grand jury sooner, but the case was delayed due to the pandemic. So, yes, they were gathering information, but I think COVID kind of held everything back a little bit as well as what they're saying. And both defendants appeared remotely in court Wednesday morning. Lori's hearing was actually continued at the request of her attorney, and that is because she was deemed unfit to stand trial. Did you see that? I did see this. Yes. So... This not was the latest. Surprising either. <laughs> no, no, not considering what we know of this case. And if you want to hear a little bit more of the details on that, go listen to our earlier episode on this. 
But Lori Valadebel, who along with her husband was indicted earlier this week for the murder of her two missing children, has been found incompetent to stand trial in separate court proceedings related to their deaths. Lori Daybell, 47, was charged with two felony counts of conspiracy to destroy, alter, or conceal evidence after authorities said they discovered the remains of seven-year-old Joshua J.J. Vallow and 17-year-old Tylee Ryan on her husband's property in Fremont County, Idaho, last June. Chad Daybell also faces the same charges, both have pleaded not guilty. On Thursday, the Idaho judge ruled that Lori Daybell is incompetent to move forward with further court proceedings for those charges based on a psychological assessment requested in March. So... Cuckoo, cuckoo. Um, the, completed the completed assessment determined that at this time the defendant is not competent to proceed and recommends restorative treatment. So prosecutors immediately contested the findings of the report according to the order and in a separate hearing is going to be scheduled for that. But the stay in the case will be in effect pending determination of the issue of competency, the insanity to face, excuse me, the insanity defense in which defendants can be found not guilty due to their mental state is not allowed in Idaho where the bodies really? were found, yes. So rather, they must be able to understand the charges against them, follow court proceedings, and assist lawyers in their own defense. But a defendant deemed unfit to stand trial could be held in jail, a state mental hospital, or an Idaho Department of Corrections mental facility until which time they're competent to stand trial. So she could be held indefinitely if she's incompetent to stand trial in Idaho. Right. So this was the latest development in the Lori Daybell Vallow um, case going forward, but very, very interesting. Um, we're just going to have to sit back and see what happens with this, right? Yeah, I guess I guess that's Idaho's kind of, they're thinking that that's like an incentive to not try and use the insanity defense to well, just get out half, of it. I think only half of the states allow the insanity defense, and some of them don't allow it. On yeah. Space. You have the incompetency um, yeah. rather than insanity, which is right. interesting. Um, and just kind of slightly different rules. And it's going to be uh, very, very interesting to see what happens in this case with Lori, whether it's a, an issue that can be remedied and they can provide treatment for her and she will be allowed at some point in the near future to stand trial on this. But for now, they've deemed her unfit to stand trial. But that does not mean that Chad Daybell can't move forward with his trial yes and so, so i wonder if they're going to deem him unfit to stand trial too or what's going to happen with that that's that's a really good question because it also kind of seems like this might be an opportunity for him to lay it all on her yeah. while she's deemed incompetent so i wonder how her attorneys are going to handle that too there's some very very specific strategery <laughs> so yeah. like going on in the background here um definitely kind of lining up all the pitches so they can use these certain pieces of it to get them off the hook or yeah. mitigate the circumstances so that they get lesser charges or so forth. But I definitely think that there's some strategery going on in the background here. And now he was like the doomsday author before she met him, began all that stuff, right? Like, Correct. He was, okay, so he was into it before her. I think he's the one that got her into it. Like yeah. she was religious, she was participating in the church, but then she started listening to his kind of offshoot of the yeah. religion she was following, um, and sort of discovered his kind of unique branding and discovered, hey, I'm on board with this. As crazy as it sounds, the whole world's yeah. going to end July 22nd or whatever, July 20th or what? So what they thought. So I think 
in some ways, the Mormon religion has some very unique beliefs in general, but this is a, a very extreme offshoot of it um, that, that Chad Daybell is kind of proposing. So um, yeah. as the case continues to unfold and we continue to hear details, I'm sure there'll be some explosive revelations that will come out. Yeah, for sure. It'll be, that's going to be an interesting one. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead then and jump into the main case for the day. And that is um, the case of Kaylee Sawyer. And I don't, you may have heard this case at some point, but um, I'm just going to dive right in and you can chime in when you recognize it. If you do, maybe you don't, but this is a more recent case. It happened in the summer of 2016. Okay. In Bend, Oregon. So Bend is the largest city in central Oregon, and it's kind of smack dab in the middle of the state. The city is located on the eastern edge of the Cascade Mountain Range along the Deschutes River, which is an extremely beautiful area, Um, very sporty and outdoorsy. People love the area. It doesn't get too cold or too hot. It's a very mild climate. But Bend is in the middle of kind of pine forest that transitions into high arid desert, which is more kind of arid land, a little bit drier. Um, Not as much rain there in that area, but it's not what you would typically think is like the rest of the Pacific Northwest. Like Pacific Northwest is like like rainforest and and rain and dampness, but this is a little bit more arid. So it's more like Eastern Washington and not so much like the Pacific Northwest in general, but the area rose initially um, as a crossing point in the river, but grew into a logging town and now it's sort of an outdoor sports mecca. It's got a lot of mountain biking, trails, fishing, hiking, camping, rock climbing, skiing, all sorts of other outdoor activities and endeavors. It is an extremely awesome area for food and microbreweries and good food, lots of friendly people. And it's also become kind of a tech mecca lately. A lot of tech folks jumping into that area because it's relatively inexpensive and kind of a a beautiful area to be. So it's cheaper than the Silicon Valley. And so Mm -hmm. they have had some tech companies that have made their home there. But um, this was also the home of Kaylee Sawyer, who was a 23-year-old college student who had just decided to become a dentist. She was a happy, sweet girl who was attending Central Oregon Community College in 2016. Um, She had been a dental assistant for a few years prior to that. She already had gotten a college degree and was basically, you know, I'm on board to be a dentist. I'm excited about this. I'm going to make this happen. She was very kind of bubbly, had a great smile, great teeth. So it just seemed like a good fit for everyone. She was also really, really awesome with those difficult patients in the clinic or excuse me, in the dentistry profession that she was practicing with the dentist and she could get them to kind of be eased and relaxed. And she was great for that. Let's see here. She was also living with her longtime boyfriend and she had a very supportive family and it was the 24th of July in 2016 and Kaylee was going out to celebrate a bachelorette party with somebody at the dental, um, at the dentist that she was uh, working at. And initially she had told this person, I believe her name was Lisa, the bachelorette party was for her. She had initially told Lisa that she couldn't come because she was going to be out of town. And then at the last point she decided, or excuse me, at the last minute she decided she was going to jump in and go to this bachelorette party instead. So... She goes to this bachelorette party and that closes down at around 1030. And most of the people in that party decided they were just going to go home, um, call Mm -hmm. it a night. But Kaylee, you know, she had a little couple of drinks in her. You know how that goes. And you're, you're stoked. You're out. You're like, let's go continue this party. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to another bar. Let's have some fun. 
Um, they were initially at a bar called Mavericks, which is kind of a country western bar, so it was a little bit more kind of subdued, and they got the bachelorette party, and everybody's kind of having a good time, and so she and another person that was part of that party head out to another bar, um, and then around midnight, um, the friend looks over and notices that Kaylee is kind of flirting with somebody at the bar, and she's like, hey, you know, as a good friend does, I think you've had a little bit too much to drink, yeah. let's go ahead and go home. <laughs> You know, so Kaylee's boyfriend, his name is Cameron, comes to pick her up a little after midnight. And at some point in the evening, I don't know if he found out about her kind of flirtations with the bartender, but he, they get into an argument. And they argue on the way home, and they're still kind of fighting by the time they get back home. And so Cameron decides to leave Kaylee in the car to kind of cool off a little bit. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I understand, you know, we're fighting right now. We're a little upset. I'm just going to let you cool off. Come up to the apartment when you're, when you're a little bit more rational. And, and you know, she's had a little bit to drink. A, a little bit argumentative at that point. And, you know, it is what it is. So he decides, I'm going to let her cool off here. She'll be up in a few minutes when she gets done, you know, having her, her moment there. So he's expecting her to calm down and follow up shortly after, but she doesn't come back up. So Cameron goes downstairs and back outside to look for her, and she's gone without a trace. She's not in the car. She's not anywhere around the apartment. And at first, I don't think he was super concerned because he knew that in the past she kind of needed to take a walk to cool off if they'd been mm -hmm. in an argument. And so, and they live next to a community college, next to Central Oregon Community College. And so he's like, this is a safe area. I'm not going to worry too much. She'll come back. But as the night goes on, she doesn't. And they're kind of texting back and forth. He gets a hold of her. She's like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm still mad, blah, blah, blah. And at, at some point during the evening, she says, you know, my phone's about to die. Phone off. I'm done. So he's like, okay, she'll come back when she's ready. So he goes to bed, which I don't necessarily know is the right thing to do. I probably would not leave my girlfriend outside. I'd want to make sure she was back inside the apartment before I went to bed, but he went to bed. Or like make sure she's with somebody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But she's walking around out in the middle of the night, you know, and it yeah. may be a safe community, but I don't think I would feel comfortable leaving no. her out walking around. But in any case, he goes to bed, wakes up the next morning and she's still not there. Okay. So then he starts calling her friends and family and saying, have you seen her? Did she show up at your house? Did anybody come pick her up? I haven't talked to her and no one has seen her. And so he calls the police and the officers were sent out to go look for Kaylee where she was last seen around this community college, around the apartment. So in the meantime, Sunday, July 24th, that's when Kylie or Kaylee had argued with her boyfriend and taken that walk to calm down. But as she walked, it turns out a security guard from the community college stopped beside her. And she's unconcerned because it's a trusted person. He's in a vehicle, a security guard vehicle. He's got the uniform on. He's got the whole mm -hmm. thing. And she's like, okay, he's safe. So she stops to talk to this 30-year-old man, this 31-year-old man. His name is Edwin Laura. Now, somehow, and it's not clear because he hasn't, told anyone, but he manages to get her in the backseat of the SUV. And this is kind of a caged, sort of a police-like area, like in the mm -hmm. back of a patrol car where you can't get out. You're locked in, you're in the back of this caged area in the car. So he gets her back in that caged area, and it's kind of a holding area, and he propositions her for sex. 
where is this information coming from? Is it coming from him? He gave bits and pieces of it, but okay. I don't think authorities trust that everything he said is the yeah. truth. In any case, at some point, he admits to propositioning her for sex. And she says no, and he demands that she hand over her phone and her purse. And she's slightly drunk. It's late. She's kind of confused. She's disoriented. She hands him her phone and her purse through the, the little cage opening. And immediately realizes that she's trapped. She can't get out of this car. She starts to freak out. She starts screaming. And he's like worried somebody's gonna come up on them and think that he's doing something wrong. So he opens the back door and chokes her until she passes out. Mm -hmm. Okay. He then drives to a secluded area, which is the B12 parking lot. And it's surrounded by woods, very isolated. Kaylee at some point regains consciousness and starts screaming again. At that point, Edwin chokes her again and hits her with a rock in the head. He then drags her into a wooded area and rapes her. And I don't know if she became conscious again at some point, but he picks up another really big rock and he wants to ensure she's dead, so he hits her again. Um, he then puts her in a hidden area and completes his shift. So he leaves her there and goes on, you know, cleans his car out, checks in with his coworkers, clocks out, gets done, showers, does everything that he does at a normal end of a shift, okay? Then he goes mm -hmm. back to the B12 parking lot to get Kaylee. He drives to a nearby town and tosses her body into a ravine along the highway. Next, he drives home and crawls into bed next to his wife. Oh my God. Yeah. And this woman, coincidentally, is a Bend police officer in training. His wife? Yeah. Okay. So her name is Isabel Ponce, and Isabel and Edwin had both planned to be police officers, but Edwin had not been progressing at the same speed as his wife. She was, like, kicking butt. She got into the police academy. She was, like, moving forward full speed ahead, and he still stuck as a security guard. So mm -hmm. I think there was a little bit of tension related to that. But as soon as his wife leaves for the police academy, he starts having an affair with another woman. So I don't know what kind of propelled this, but he ends up confessing to his wife that he's had an affair and the two decide to work on their marriage. They decide to stop drinking together and they start going to church in an attempt to kind of save and rekindle their marriage. Okay. So he gets this Bible, which he regularly reads and takes notes and he joins the church's worship team and all of this. Mm -hmm. And he goes and kills this girl, rapes her and kills her. So I don't understand how those things like can happen simultaneously. But in any case, Sunday, July 24th, this is around the time that Kaylee disappeared. Isabel wakes up for church. She gets her hubby up, who'd crawled into bed pretty late after his shift next to her. Mm -hmm. And he's quiet and withdrawn and doesn't seem like his usual self, but she ignores it because they'd kind of been having problems with their marriage lately anyway, and they're sort of working on it. So she's like, I'm just going to let him be. The two spend the day together. They go to the movies. They have sex later that night. And then they go to bed. The next morning, Isabel gets up at about nine and Edwin still wants to sleep in. So she lets him sleep. But when he wakes up and comes out of the bedroom, he surprises his wife by confessing to the murder of Kaylee Sawyer. Oh. He's like, whoops, I'm sorry, I killed this girl. But he doesn't tell his wife the whole story. He tells her that he accidentally hit Kaylee with his car and panicked, and then he killed her. 
And when his wife asks him to clarify, he just says, I just panicked and hit her. And none of it makes sense. And the wife asks, you know, well, are, were there any marks on the car? And he says, no. So she's wondering, why the hell would you panic if there's no marks on It was an accident. Right. Why would you panic and kill this girl? And he starts pacing and says that, he, that this girl was drunk and she walked out into the road and there were no signs. He couldn't see her. She was wearing dark colors, et cetera, et cetera, that he panicked. He keeps saying, I panicked, I panicked. And she asks him what he did with the body. And he says that he hid it. Then, before they can go any further, he grabs her police-issued gun, tells his wife that Kaylee's things are in the shed, and leaves before she can do anything. Uh. Yeah. So Isabel immediately goes to the police. The police get a search warrant and they go through the shed and they find all of Kaylee's things. Where and is he? He's on the run now. Oh my God. Yeah. And they also find the rock that he used to hit Kaylee. Because instead he kept of just. It? Yeah. Instead of just ditching all this stuff, he keeps all of it and puts it in the shed. This um. shed. Okay. So seeing the rock, they know right away that Edwin's story about hitting Kaylee with his car accidentally is BS, yeah. right? And there's blood all over her purse. There's blood all over the rock. They know something's up. In any case, though, the missing person's case for Kaylee is now a homicide, and everyone is looking for Kaylee's body. In the meantime, though, Edwin, being the winner that he is, is hiding out in a parking lot about 150 miles from Bend, Oregon, in Salem. And he's waiting for his next victim, or someone who he can steal a car with. But... Um, at nearly 9 p.m., he spots 19-year-old Andrea Mays. She has just worked a double shift at Ross. She's tired. She's kind of probably not fully aware of her surroundings. I mean, that's she's tired. She wants yeah. to go home and relax. Edwin, in the meantime, is watching her, and he makes his move. He waits until he spots an open window, reaches in, unlocks the door, and hops into the passenger seat with Isabel's oh gun. Okay. So he's got this poor girl at gunpoint. At first, she laughs at him because she thinks it's a joke. Like, wow. <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's pointing the gun at her. He confesses to Kaylee's murder and says, no, I'm taking you. I'm taking this vehicle. We're, we're doing this. And, like, this poor girl probably just freaking out at that point. She starts to drive, and she thinks, okay, I'm going to drive really fast, and hopefully the police will spot the car and, and pull, pull us over. over, right? Yeah. But Edwin catches on to that, and he takes over the driving duties. Um, she then pretends her car has a bad oil leak and tries to get, you know, she's playing it up to make it seem much more serious than it really mm -hmm. is. But he just goes and buys extra oil, and then he stops for the night, and they run a hotel room. Now, he immediately handcuffs Andrea to the bed frame and makes her take sleeping pills so that she won't try to escape. Oh, God. And she's, like, kind of panicking, thinking immediately he's going to sexually assault her as soon as she falls asleep. Right. Because he's super creepy. He's, like, licking her ear and just doing all kinds of just nasty stuff. And she's oh. totally repulsed by him, which I would be, too. But um, he takes advantage of the situation as soon as she starts to get groggy. And a phone alarm goes off. Her phone. She had some kind of an alarm set on her phone. And she, to this day, couldn't recall what she had it set for. But he freaks out. He's like, what is that for? Why is that going off? Is that the police? What's going on? And she, just as clever as can be, tells him it's an alarm she has set as a reminder to take medication for a nasty STD she has. Wow. Right? She got the presence of mind 
to tell him that. And he immediately is like, okay, never mind. Let's go. <laughs> We're leaving. Wow. So he unlocks her, puts her back in the car, and they leave the hotel. But he is starting to become increasingly paranoid, thinking the police are close behind them. And mm -hmm. he keeps saying he can hear a police helicopter, which there is none. But he's freaking out, right? Yeah. And he starts driving south with this poor girl. And they're getting closer and closer to California. But Edwin is starting to get worried about the oil leak and decides to steal another car. Okay, this is Tuesday, July 26th by this point. And, and do they know where, like, police know where he is Police at all? know he's on the run, but they don't really have an idea yet of where he is. Okay. It's just too soon. Um, he comes upon a man in Wairika. Um, he's at a Super 8 motel. He's this kind of got, like, botanist who looks, who looks at butterflies and things like that. And he's loading his cameras to go check out some, you know, birds and bees and whatnot. Mm -hmm. When Edwin follows him and demands his keys. The man, immediately, he's an older gentleman, starts calling out for help. And Edwin shoots him in the stomach. And luckily, this guy was able to crawl to a room, call 911, and he is saved. So he didn't die, oh. thank goodness. Um, but next, Edwin forces Andrea into another car with the doors open. And she, he pushes her into the backseat. Turns out that the driver is a 17-year-old boy. He's got a young brother and his grandmother in the backseat. Okay. Oh. So... This is, you know, I think more than Edwin probably bargained for. And they persuade him to take the car and leave the three behind. So the, the two boys and the grandmother persuaded him to let them out of the car and take the car. And what about Andrea? She's still with him, oh. unfortunately. This poor girl. She's probably just horrified and terrified. Um, Edwin leaves the three and keeps Andrea using her phone to post a Facebook Live post as they're driving. And he's so chill and so calm. He's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry about that Kaylee girl. Um, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it and blah, blah, blah. But Andrea sneakily changed her settings to private. So no one could see the post, which I, I, I guess is good and bad. Because no one's going to be able to save her if they don't know she's been right. kidnapped. Right. But he thinks he's, you know, a, a celebrity now because he's posted right. on Facebook Live. He just got this really kind of gross vibe about him. But... In any case, um, soon after exceeding speeds of about 100 miles per hour and over, a state trooper starts following Edwin. And I'm not sure that initially he knew it was him, but eventually they figure it out because Edwin calls 911. And he tells the dispatcher he's the crazy driver on I-5. So he's heading, uh, he's heading south on that stretch of I-5 going up and down the, the coast. Uh -huh. And he's telling the dispatcher, hey, it's me. I'm going to turn myself in when I get to Redding but I need my asthma medication and please tell them not to be too rough with me because I can't breathe and I'm really sorry. And at, the, at this point in time, he's going over 120 miles per hour. Oh my God. So it's a super dangerous situation and poor Andrea is just probably thinking she's going to die. I mean, it, it just, it's awful. Yeah. Um, he asks them not to shoot him and says he's wearing a bulletproof vest and he's, you can hear all of these phone conversations online. They're all like recorded and he's just super chill. Like the way he's talking, he doesn't sound panicked at all, but he says, so he, I can throw my gun out the window if you want. And the dispatcher's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't throw, Don't your throw gun. a gun out the window at 120 miles an hour. Seriously. So it's such a weird call. Um, and eventually the dispatcher persuades him to pull over. He is immediately arrested as well as Andrea. So they considered her an accomplice at first, which sure. is 
just traumatic as hell. Because can you imagine this poor girl? Like, she's just been through all this, and then she gets, she has to be arrested, taken out, that she's strip searched and, like, just traumatized all over again. Um, oh, I, I would think, like, I understand initially arresting her, but I think that I would hope that's something that would be sorted pretty quickly. Well, not only that, but they released her name and her picture on the evening news in California. Oh. So, like, I can't even imagine how awful that would be. Police from Oregon, though, immediately set out. They hear about this, and they, because Edwin asked to speak to the Oregon police because he knows he's guilty of that crime in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And the Oregon police immediately get down to the California jail, and they clear Andrea, and they let her go, that oh, poor girl. okay. Um, and Edwin, is, in the meantime, is asking to speak to them. And they very carefully read him his rights, and he confesses to everything. And he is enjoying it all like he's some sort of celebrity. It's just, what? it's so creepy. Um, at first, he talks to the officers and claims that everything was an accident, and she was drunk, and she was in the road, and she's wearing all black, and it's the same kind of story that he sort of told his wife. Mm -hmm. At first, you know, poor me, it was an accident, I panicked, blah, blah, blah. She freaked out, she started screaming, I just wanted her to be quiet, so I did the first thing that I thought to, to do, and I panicked, and I hit her with a rock. And then I became natural born killers? Yeah. Like, what does he... None of it makes sense. Absolutely 0% yeah. of this makes sense. And, and why would he take her purse and her phone if it was an accident? You know, why yeah. would he put her in the car and take her purse and her phone if there wasn't some sort of evil intent going on? But then the police are like, okay, we're done with this BS. Like, time to get tough on this bonehead. I haven't heard somebody say bonehead in probably 15 well, years. He sounds like he's just like... He's a douche. The police determined that it's pretty evident he didn't call in this encounter. Because typically when the security guards on campus, when they oh. help somebody or when they stop for a car or something like that, they call yeah. it in. They say, you know, I've got this and, and this is what I'm doing. And, and they radio it in. He didn't do any of that. So yeah. they determined that he intended to do something bad right from the beginning. Like he had very oh. bad intent initially. And then Edwin tells them exactly where the body is. It's near 18700 West Highway 126. The cause of death was blunt force trauma with evidence of skull fractures, strangulation, and sexual assault. So clearly this was mm. not an accidental tap with a car. And there were mm -hmm. numerous signs of self-defensive wounds showing she'd fought for her life, basically. This should have been an open and shut case. We got a confession. We got all this evidence. It wasn't. A video ends up surfacing later that shows Edwin asking to speak to an attorney and saying, when do I get to speak to my attorney? <gasps> yeah. Oh, no. So a judge then rules that he had invoked his right to counsel and his entire police confession was thrown out, which oh. sucks. But on the other hand, even without the confession, Edwin's DNA is under Kaylee's nails. Police had the rock that was used to kill her with her blood on it, and her blood was found in his car. So that yeah. in itself, I think, was enough for a conviction. And that's when Edwin's attorney goes for the plea deal to avoid the death penalty. Prosecutors agree. Edwin pleads guilty to aggravated murder and gets sentenced to life in prison. This case was so perplexing to so many people because this guy had no signs of prior criminal record. He had a degree in criminal justice and he was looking for a career in law enforcement. 
he was a church member, he had a spotless record. I mean, there's just so many parts of this case that just don't make sense to a lot of people, right? Yeah, like what was the catalyst? Like what made him Why would all he of a snap, snap, right? And it just didn't make sense. Um, when everyone started looking a little deeper though, they started to discover that maybe Edwin was not as squeaky clean as he had made people believe he was. So they start mm. to interview his coworkers and it appears that he really enjoyed looking at and sending people images of dead bodies, like gruesome dead bodies, right? Next, he would show people pornographic videos of himself and naked photos of a woman he was having an affair with. So it was just um, super creepy, super gross, super like, ew, you're such a nasty creep. Yeah. Everyone that he worked with was super uncomfortable with him, and some of his coworkers avoided him altogether. But nobody reported this? No. But once they start to interview, they start to determine, okay, maybe he was just kind of an undercover creep this whole time, and we're just now yeah. finding out, right? Um, but Kaylee's family ended up suing the college Edwin worked for, and pushing for reform in the legislation. And in 2019, Kaylee's law was passed. And that is directly related to what security guards can and cannot do, what they can, can and cannot look like on college campuses. They cannot look like a police officer with a similar type police uniform. They can't drive similar vehicles oh. with holding cages and lights. And all personnel must complete national background security checks and psych evaluations prior to employment. Yeah, I don't really know why a, a campus security guard would need one of those cages in the back of yeah, the car. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It really makes none whatsoever. Like, presumably, if it's something really serious, you're just holding the person until the police get there. So, like, you don't need all of that. No. So... I think that, you know, in the past, there's been some sort of confusion as to, you know, are campus security guards, are they police officers? Are they campus police? And mm -hmm. that confusion has led to instances like this mm -hmm. with, with poor Kaylee. So I'm glad that they got that squared away so that it's no longer going to be an issue. I mean, I think ultimately the security guards are not there to do policing as much as they are to kind of escort people around campus and just sort of ensure that everything mm -hmm. kind of has a safe vibe going on they're not supposed to arrest people they're not supposed to do things that a police officer would do otherwise they would have campus police right, right. and yeah and i was gonna say like my school where i'm at now in auburn where i went before both had campus police departments auburn eventually yeah. got rid of their police department which we discussed in the lauren burke episode um but they were actually police they were not yeah. security personnel yeah which is very different so interesting case um for me I kind of was drawn to it, number one, because it was just such a weird thing for him to kill her and then go on the run and then kidnap that other girl. And that other girl, like through presence of mind, basically saved her own life. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible and that she was spared. And also that it's in Bend, Oregon, which is like one of the crazy safest places you'll probably ever come across. Have you been it's there? It's not a place where murder happens. I've been there many times. Yeah. I've never been there. Like, Oregon is just gorgeous. So many places there. Like, you'd never think that something as bad as a murder would happen there because it's just so peaceful and calm and people are so friendly and it's just, it's beautiful and it's picturesque and yeah. the people are friendly. You just don't think something like that would happen in a small town like that. Wow. Yeah. Crazy case. 
I did not um, hear about this at all. And then you said it was 2016? 2016, too. Wow. Like, it's a recent case. But um, I also wanted to chat about the Bill Cosby parole oh. issue. Did you hear about that? He was denied parole. Yep. Um, so according to CBS News, actor Bill Cosby won't be paroled this year after refusing to participate in sex offender programs during his nearly three years in state prison in Pennsylvania. 83-year-old Cosby has long said he would resist the treatment programs and refuse to acknowledge wrongdoing, even if it means serving his full 10-year sentence. This is the first year he was eligible for parole under the 3-10-year to 10 year sentence handed down after his 2018 conviction. They call this decision appalling and said Cosby vehemently proclaims his innocence. Meanwhile, he hopes the state Supreme Court, which heard his appeal in December, will reverse his conviction in, early, in the first celebrity trial of the Me Too era. Cosby's lawyers say the trial was flawed because other because the accusers were allowed to testify to support the sexual assault complaint filed by former Temple University basketball team manager. They also say the judge should not have let the jury hear Cosby's damaging testimony from accuser Andrea Constan's related civil suit. Cosby is serving his sentence at SCI Phoenix in Montgomery County. This case stems from a 2004 encounter with Constand in his estate near Philadelphia. The two had met at Temple, where Cosby long served on the board of trustees and was a frequent celebrity visitor to campus. The Associated Press does not typically identify sexual assault victims without their permission, which Constand granted to them. In the wake of the May 11th decision, which began circulating Thursday, she pointed at a tweet that said simply, denied. Nice. <laughs> so it's interesting because it's my understanding that he will not be eligible for parole again unless or until he completes one of those programs. Oh, really? So he won't have like a regular hearing for parole every year? That's or what anything? I heard. Wow. Yeah. So let Good. me just, there's one other article I wanted to verify that with because that's what I read initially. I was going to say, I hope he doesn't get parole early. I kind of hope he doesn't get parole early anyway, but I understand like the restitution nature of the program or whatever but if definitely if he doesn't go through the program and admit fall and and show remorse he should not be released until well, that's, what, that's the end how of this it term. works you know it well it's how it works in theory but that's not how it works in practice interesting that he's uh, as stubborn as he is at his age and doesn't mind spending that time. I mean, it's just, it's the whole th- case is creepy. Well, he's lived a complete life of privilege his entire life. I mean, or his entire adult life. The whole case is just so appallingly creepy that it's just like, I don't think he, despite the fact that he's been convicted and shown to have done these things wrong, he genuinely does not believe he did anything wrong. No, no, not at all. And that's why, that's why I say I hope he doesn't get it because there, there's no evidence that he's changed his behavior. Or changed his mindset. I think some, I think some psychologists and crime forensic psychologists would say that perhaps he's aged out of it because there is, you know, such a thing as aging out of criminal activity, um, and that he's long since aged out of it, so he wouldn't be a threat. So, convicting him and sending him to jail wouldn't necessarily be worthwhile. But, I mean, why should he be comfy and cozy when he did all these creepy criminal activities in the past just because he's older now? Yeah. Yeah. It would be like allowing Weinstein to be like, oh, you know, I'm going blind and I'm losing my teeth, so I shouldn't have to spend time in jail. Which he's also arguing. Which is creepy in itself. But I think these two kind of go hand in hand. and, And I think, you know, the Me Too movement has really propelled these cases forward, but... 
it's glad to it's good to see the justice system actually working and reform happening that is either eliminating the statute of limitations on these cases and allowing them to go forward because as most people are probably aware or maybe they weren't a lot of these rape cases from early in the 80s and 90s have not been allowed to go forward because of the statute of limitations which basically prohibits prosecution of a crime after a certain amount of time. And each state has yeah. a different statute of limitations on certain crimes like rape. Certain crimes like murder don't have a statute of limitations, but certain things right. like assault and rape and theft do have a statute of limitations. So most of these crimes that happened um, where Bill Cosby was accused of these things and other individuals back in the 80s and 70s and, and 90s, the statute of limitations has already passed, and so they can't move forward with these criminal cases, which is interesting because right. Andrea Constan did have a civil case, which I don't believe there is any kind of a statute of limitations on that, so she was able to move forward with the civil case. And then they allowed the testimony from the civil case to go in on the case, the criminal case, which he believes is unfair and that's what he's fighting on his appeal but it's definitely an interesting yeah. play of events and it would be it will certainly um, be interesting to see if he plays out and, and serves his entire 10-year sentence i wonder if like has that civil case been settled i think it's already uh, over. okay so i wonder like he was found guilty in the civil if case. the appeal based on all of that like if that gets turned down like he runs out of appeals i wonder if then he'll start cooperating you know what i mean I don't know. Like, it might be a, his advice 80. his attorneys are giving him. Like, don't admit a fault in any of this until, like, we do the appeal yeah. process. I'm sure they've yeah. told him that. He's 83. Like, by the time he, he's got seven more years in prison, he'll be 90, like, if he lives that yeah. long. But I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Super interesting mm -hmm. stuff for both the Valo updates and the Bill Cosby Seriously. updates. But. Unless you have anything to add, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up and make it a short one since you're not feeling too great. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I don't have anything. Awesome. Well, people, please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast. It is super, super helpful, and it helps us provide higher rankings so that people can find us easier, and it also helps us create great content for you guys. Please send us an email if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions. We're at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a show suggestion or you want to give us some constructive criticism, we're always up for that. Or if you have something nice to say, that definitely works too. I really appreciate that. Um, we will put that email address as well as the sources for the material we used on the show today into the show notes. We did use multiple sources. <laughs> I never, never, never use yeah. one source. Um, I probably used 10 sources for today's show, just going back and forth and reading what was available out there for all of these cases. But in any case, what's our social media, Darcy? Yeah, we are at the BFD podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And so we'll post pictures and um, references and all that good stuff there too. Have you been doing Twitter lately? Um, I haven't. I didn't do it for this week, but I've been doing it. I've been trying to keep up with every time we post. I don't know. I have to check when we post because like, I don't get like an alert. Yeah. So I have to like check and see when we post. So, um, and then the last time I actually tried to do, um, the Madeline McCann one, I think, but like for some reason it wouldn't let me tweet it. I don't know why. That's odd. Yeah. Well, I know you just started that new job recently, so I wasn't too stressed if. Yeah. <laughs> I try and get it every time I can, but 
Um, Please forgive us, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're only human. We do our best to try to get stuff out on a regular basis, but I've had a lot of house stuff going on lately. I just finished painting my office upstairs. Oh. Which <gasps> is, is it ready awesome. to move in? It is. Um, I have movers coming on Wednesday of this next week because I'm not moving this stuff myself. Yeah. So I hired a couple of movers to come in and move my desk and move the chairs and boxes and everything else up into my office space, um, as well as some other projects that we have around the house um, that I don't feel like doing. Nice. <laughs> it's like, hey, move these 50 boxes we have over here up into the attic for us. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that looks now um, once I get all my office stuff up in there. Yay, it's post pictures. Exciting. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Please, uh, oh, mm. <laughs> please join us next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>